0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to season three of the Feel Your Fandom podcast. My name is Saint. And I am Jim. We want to welcome you back to the Proceedings at Large. How are you? How was the break?
1: Uh, we took about wow, a month season off. Season three.
0: Yeah, good lord. Yeah, we
1: had a nice big long extended holiday and uh, it was good to both of us uh, yeah. in terms of, of resting up and also in terms of, of new tech, but we'll get to that a little later.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm so very glad we didn't have any major news events uh, occur over the course of our one month hiatus. You know, super quiet, nothing yeah.
1: happened. Um, you know, the 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 24 hour news cycles on cable just had nothing to talk about. It was really a nice sedate holiday. It's nice,
0: in case you don't know what we're referring to, Jesus, we where have you been? Uh, no, we, <laughs> in fact, we took the worst uh, month off for for uh, a, a break because we come to uh, insurrection in our country, and an election cycle ended, uh, uh, new inauguration, a new president. It's it's been uh, a, there was
1: an attempted coup and an actual insurrection that tried yeah. to overthrow the American government. Isn't so that, that was exciting. nuts?
0: A, a coup inspired and enacted over freaking social media of all places and, and and let me tell you i'll be the first one to explain that i think that social media is kind of a double-edged sword uh oh, i yeah. of course use it all the time to to, mar- to market the show to market the band to, to keep up with what friends are up to and everything and i think that's the that's a positive side of it but again uh it also has a, the ability to turn quite negative with uh harboring communities of insurgents insurrectionists and uh creating bubbles of echo chambers just yeah and 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 i think that's kind of the thing is is the internet does give us the ability to uh filter out a lot of the things we don't want to see um and then live in our own little bubble our own little reality our pocket dimension if you will if you're going to take it into a nerdy realm but
1: As any technology uh, throughout history has proven, it's only as good as the intention of the person using it. You can take nuclear energy, you can blow up a city, or you can power one. So it just all depends on who has it in their hands and what their plans are with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's been... uh, I don't mean to get too political. This is definitely not a political uh, uh, podcast at all, but uh, I do find it rather amusing that the, the source of the... What can they call it? terrorists, insurgents? I don't know what to call these. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're domestic
1: terrorists. We might as well just call them what they are if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck.
0: Right. What were all the names for it? Is uh, Yal Qaeda, uh Gravy Seals.
1: Uh, Vanilla Isis is another favorite.
0: Uh, Meal Team Six. <laughs> uh, the Walmarters.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, there's a lot of... The Patriots is another favorite <laughs> of mine. I like that one.
0: Um, but, I mean, it's it's real easy to, to have this community that just forms up and, and, and they utilize social media to plan and, and propagate their lies and uh, yeah. uh, plan this this terrorist attack. But what they didn't count on is the fact that uh, we have a white hat uh, hacker out there who scraped the entirety of Parler's website at one point. Uh, Parler, of course, for any of you who don't know, is the uh, alt-right uh, alternative fact a uh, social media group founded Also by known as the
1: Alt-Reich yeah. uh, and the uh, the Mindspace, Mindspace. Uh, alternative to, uh, to Twitter.
0: Yeah, for all the uh, degenerates that got kicked off of uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram is is kind of their uh, freedom of speech uh, little area to go to. And uh, this white hat hacker, and I, I'm sad that I don't know her name offhand, uh, she, she scraped the entire site for everything, user data, uh, geocache area... Uh, or geolocation data and uh, uh, everything, and, and was able to turn that all over to the FBI. And so, uh, if they were in, locked into parlor at all while they were in the
1: Capitol, FBI knows about it. And so, I, you know, I know who you're talking about, and I looked it up as you were saying that because it was bothering me too that I couldn't remember. <laughs> it is uh, Twitter user at Donk underscore n b d o n k underscore e n b y was the the great uh, white hope that that scraped their (laughs) entire database and and pretty much doxxed everybody. Not that they made it difficult for her, because, I mean, you know, it it, it was an FBI uh, database dream come true, because in order to join Parler, apparently no shit, you literally needed to give them, like, your full name, send them a scan (laughs) of your driver's license, and cough up all this personal information. So they basically created their own watch list, which (laughs) is just, you couldn't write this shit, and people wouldn't accuse you of making it up.
0: No, I think it's fantastic, and and in fact, I think it's funny, and, and this is pretty much all I'm going to say about it at this point, is uh, I think it's real funny that these people who are there, oh, they're going to take my guns away kind of people, just <laughs> literally got their own guns taken away from themselves, because they are now yeah. all facing a felony beat for it, so, I mean...
1: You know, that whole thing, that beating the drum of they're going to take my guns away, that is, that's such... BS NRA propaganda, the NRA, which by the way, is declaring bankruptcy in New York and trying to recontextualize themselves in, in, in Texas, which they think might be a more hospitable environment. Mm. But I worked at a sporting goods catalog writing copy for products um, during both elections where Obama got voted into office in 2008 and 2012. And we had several meetings, even though I was in the marketing department, we still had to keep you know tabs on what was happening around the company. And we had a couple of different meetings talking about how we could not keep ammunition in stock. Mm -hmm. because they were so selling the lie that this new Democratic president was going to come for their guns... Um, even though that never happened in the first 4 years of Obama's first term it, they didn't even make any any head fakes toward that direction but they still bought it and then much like Charlie Brown running up to pull the to kick the football the loser is going to pull away the the collective dumbassery of the NRA all their membership they pushed the lie again oh he got elected to a second term now he's got no restrictions he doesn't have to worry about campaigning for re-election the gloves are really going to be off this time he's really coming for your guns and we again for the second time in the last 4 years could not keep ammunition in stock because i mean i mean these people aren't the brightest shovels in the drawer so they just they always <laughs> fall for that this, this kind of stuff and and the NRA knows that that's their whole business model so they keep on pushing that lie and here we are you know and they're they're trying to to get that that line of bullshit out to their membership again and they're going to fall for it again because that's who they are
0: yep yep absolutely the kinda of whole thing leads to a discussion I want to have here just in just a little bit, but I kind of wanted to we're gonna veer off the topic of politics because ugh, I mean uh-huh.
1: but uh, uh, I kind of that could to be s- an episode unto itself, but we're not gonna it's not the thrust of the podcast, but we can't like kev said in the in the uh, the run up to to start and record this we gotta address the elephant in the refrigerator <laughs> if we didn't talk about it, it'd be weird yeah. so. Now that that's out of the way, a little palate cleanser, and and we'll move on to the actual meat of the episode, as it were.
0: (laughs) Right, and and I just kind of want to discuss with y'all a little bit of the changes that are coming in the way of what the podcast is and what we do. Uh, We are definitely still uh, going to be focusing on pop culture, pop culture topics. That's just kind of what we do and who we are. Uh, We are going to be doing a lot more kind of one-on-one conversations, uh, just because... uh, I mean frankly put and, and and I'm not I've got no reason to lie to any of y'all listening to this the all like 10 12 of you whatever but uh uh this podcast is incredibly hard to schedule when you're doing constant booking for guests and uh it's really hard to nail down interviews I don't know uh, if y'all remember uh during the last season we interviewed uh, uh Shiloh Prychek with New Wave Toys one of my personal favorite interviews that we've ever done awesome guy. and uh the, just the simple fact of the matter is is that interview took uh, almost two months to set up uh, in in regards to you know, hacking back and forth with the uh the press team with uh, new wave toys and with Shiloh himself and so uh, each interview uh, for a weekly show uh, let's just say at a basic minimum is at least two weeks of of uh, back and forth to try and get an interview set up and schedule times for everybody's uh, uh, schedule and everything like that. So uh, it is a, a, a hard bill to fill if you're looking at like a weekly podcast, which we've been we managed to do uh, for the most part of uh, of 2020 was a, was a weekly podcast. And we, we made it to 40 episodes, which is just uh, three months shy of uh, a week. Uh, an episode a week for the full uh, calendar year. So uh, what we want to do is we're going to, we're still going to focus on, like I said, pop culture, nerd topics, uh, anything uh, related to that. We're going to do a lot more one-on-one with uh, each other, me and Jim. And then uh, we are still going to do interviews. We've got, in fact, we've got some killer interviews lined up. Yeah, Uh, we do. But uh, that's not going to be the main focus. I'd say that splits to about 50, 50 at this point. So, um.
1: Although, I, I do want to say if we want to toss it out to you guys who are listening, if you know anybody or if you are somebody who is a uh, has, has something you want to talk about, whether it's music, whether it's video games, movies, whatever it is that you're passionate about, or if you know somebody in your circle who would like to be a podcast guest, just reach out to us. And, and uh, you know, we love giving those folks a forum. We love uh, talking about stuff we love and learning new things about maybe stuff we're not as well-versed on. So if you or somebody you know would like to be a podcast guest, then uh, definitely reach out to us and... And we'll have the contact information towards the end of this episode, and and uh, you know let us know who you are, who you know, um, and what you'd like to talk about, and we'll see if we can't work something out.
0: Absolutely, and that's again uh, a focus that we're going to want to do is we're going to we're going to give out all the the contact information uh, every episode to make sure you guys know how to get in touch with us, and, and just kind of make you all more a part of the program because this is. Uh, not just for me and Jim. I mean, we like to talk. We and trust me, we could talk to her blue in the face. But we're really here to hell yeah to talk to you, to talk with you, to to get your take on, on these things. Because I mean, I don't want everyone to agree with me. Uh, I I think that'd be an, 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 a uniquely weird situation. Uh, but at the same it's time, it's an extension
1: of what we talked about earlier about you know living in, in your bubble. We don't want to just listen to uh, to our own opinions. We want to uh, make sure that we entertain outside sources of, of information, and, and that's how we all grow and learn.
0: Yeah, for real. I mean, I could be wrong about a subject. No, you're not. I, I mean, it's happened. <laughs> I'm sure it has to have at one point or another. Uh, uh, I bet if you asked my wife, she'd say I was wrong at least once. <laughs> but. <laughs>
1: Eh, Uh, I thought I was wrong once but it turns out I was mistaken so we're all right
0: okay so all that out of the way uh we got plans for the new year we got like I said we got some awesome interviews lined up uh with recurring guests and with uh some new people that we've talked to and, and and set up interviews with and uh we got our old friend John Champion coming back here in a couple episodes to uh to kind of do a big wrap-up of Season 3 of Discovery, which is just going to go fly right over the top of Jim's head, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, Um, it's funny, because I've known Champ for, uh, God, I want to say somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 years. Um, We go way, way back, but I knew him before he was the host of the Mission Log podcast. I always knew he was a big old trekker and and really loved that whole world, but, you know, as as deep as my fandom runs on a lot of different levels... um, I kind of missed the boat on Trek. Not that I don't respect it. Not that I haven't enjoyed the episodes I have seen. But it's just not one particular episode or one particular fandom to which I necessarily subscribe as a uh, as an ardent fan. So, you know, I'm going to do a lot more listening. Which for a lot of folks uh, who are regular listeners of the podcast are going to be very grateful that I'm not talking <laughs> as much. Um, but yeah, but I, I love Champ and I've known him for a long time. So I'm sure we'll get around to uh, talking about a lot of things but um as far as the trek stuff goes it's, it's going to be an educational episode for yours truly
0: that's fantastic and, and what a great time to do it too because that's kind of uh the thrust of the conversation we're going to talk about uh uh the way trek has developed from back in uh, gene roddenberry's time and frame and in the tos and next generation era uh kind of into what it is now which is uh for good or for bad a lot of people say it's good a lot of people say it's bad but it's it's kind of developed into a more uh it's kind of developed into uh, a bit more of uh, a overarching storyline instead of a monster of the week serial kind of thing so uh, yeah it's kind of interesting a lot of people love it a lot of people uh, don't love it and I I think it's going to be really unique to get John's perspective on that is having talking to someone who's watched a lot of Star Trek and, and had to digest a lot of Star Trek and live in that that kind of world for so long and and so that's something to look forward to we got a couple of uh celebrity guests that we've got on the books and a couple that i'm still kind of dangling the fish hook out to so that's kind of unique we're going to set up a website Uh, we already have the website it's just not really functional right now Uh, i've tried to do some things and i know just about enough of web design to be uh ridiculously dangerous and and terrible at uh, uh visualization so uh, we're gonna get the website set up and uh uh functional and usable for everybody and there's gonna be a submit form on there so you guys can submit topics or or guests or anything else that you guys wanna have talked about on the show. And uh yeah, so a lot of really exciting things coming up. And uh again I wanna say I'm really super excited to have Jim as my co host now and uh we formalized that just a bit more uh more deeply and more uh fundamentally. So uh, it's nice to, to kind of have you on board as far as someone I can uh, butt heads with who doesn't necessarily, we you know, we don't see eye-to-eye on all of our fandoms. You know, like I said, you're not into Trek or whatever, but, you know, I'll forgive you, but...
1: Uh. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but, <laughs> you it's, know, it's not that I don't, it's, again, it's not that I don't like it, it's just not one that I feel as well-versed on as, as maybe you and Champ are. So, you know, it's, it's uh, but we all have our things. We all got our passions, and that's really, at the end of the day, what this whole thing is about. Right, and...
0: And we're still going to have some some guests on, uh, like last season. Uh, we got Thomas coming back here in a little bit, and uh, uh, maybe get Frankie and uh, and Frankie and them back in the room, and maybe Arthur and uh, Patrick and and some of the people from last season that uh, uh, we seem to have a real good time talking with. But yeah, so we're really looking forward to kind of bringing you a, a more streamlined, energetic, uh, laser focused kind of uh, pew pew. season. <laughs> Phaser focused? No, that wouldn't be you. Uh, that'd be a Star Trek thing. Um,
1: but, <laughs> I'm not totally ignorant, but, you know, we'll uh, see how it goes. I wouldn't
0: camp. be talking to you if you were totally ignorant. <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to it. But anyway, so... Yeah, me too. What, what I kind of wanted to, to veer off on, and I know it's... Uh, uh, some, we said we wouldn't make the whole uh, uh, conversation political because, I mean, politics is such a minefield these days. And it's just so tricky uh, to it's about the most
1: complicated thing there is, and certainly the most complicated and convoluted thing that's happening in Western society right now, Currently, especially yeah. during this transitional phase. I mean, you know, everything kind of dovetails into it. Whether you're talking about the economy, that's politics. Whether you're talking about the virus and the distribution of vaccines, that's politics. Whether you're talking about, you know, immigration, it's you know, that's the thing. Like politics affects all of us, whether or not we choose to pay attention to it, whether or not it's something we're plugged into. Um, you know, politics is, is one of those things that, as dry as it is and is, as messy as it can be, affects all of our daily lives in very profound ways. So, it's it's it really is something that is um, that's, that's kind of at least worth taking a look at from time to time.
0: Right. And so, uh, what we're going to do, I know it's a little bit early, but we're going to jump into a real quick uh, break, and when we come back, uh, Jim and I are going to kind of talk about politics uh, as it relates to pop culture and science fiction and comic books and the like. So we're going to kind of try and dovetail that into uh, the whole fandom concept. And and so stick around. We'll be right back. Hi, welcome back, everybody. So now I know we said we were going to talk politics and everything, but me and Jim were talking over the break about how really just unique and cool it is that we both kind of finally had an opportunity to spend our money in a way that would join Mm -hmm. us into the next generation of video game consoles and uh yeah i know it's been an uphill battle for uh for me as far as trying to get my hands on that ps5 jim was right there along with me and uh, uh that by the skin of my teeth i ended up getting one of those i still don't understand how exactly that worked out as well but uh jim you ended up with the uh the xbox uh series x yes
1: Yeah, and and, you know, they're both still really, really hard to come by, which, you know, supposedly two or three months after launch is kind of inexcusable. I mean, I remember that the Wii in the early days was actually pretty scarce, but nothing like this. I mean, every time there's an inventory drop of those PS5s, and to a lesser extent the Xbox as well, I follow a couple of Twitter accounts that, that notify everybody instantaneously when Target has stock or when Walmart does or when they're doing like a bundle drop at GameStop. and Yeah. And those things, they sell out within, you know, 10 to 30 seconds. And if you're not Johnny on the spot with those notifications, then you're screwed. But you and I both got really lucky um, we both over the holidays managed to snag our own consoles. I'm still in the market for a PS5, and I'm sure at some point you'll go ahead and and, and double down and grab that Xbox Series X as well. But for now, we both have um, a next generation console, so we're we're kind of rocking the new hardware. And um, yeah, and actually, know,
0: for me, f- yeah. No, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, it's it, it makes a big difference. It's making a big difference because the Xbox has had less of a. It's more of a hardware iteration than it is an actual experience iteration, because the uh, Xbox One actually had an, uh, an interface update a couple of months ago that looks identical to what you see when you power up the Series X. It's the same same user experience, same user interface, oh, okay. um, but the games just run a little bit better. Uh, well, actually, in, in some cases, they run a whole lot better. Um, I have a couple of games. Most of, most of the games are in the transitional generational uh, over the changeover. They work on both, but work, of course, is a very... Um, Loaded term in, in that case. Because,
0: cough. CD Project Red. Cough.
1: Oh God. Yeah. I. You know. And I. And all truth, like Kevin said earlier. in all, all honesty, we're not going to ever lie to you. I did actually have some bugs uh, to work out on my initial uh, purchase of the the Series X. Um, my console had a bad disc drive, so I didn't discover that until after I tried to buy a game and install the actual game on disc. The first couple of games that I played, I downloaded uh, a copy of. Watch Dogs Legion, which I had actually played through on Xbox One, but I thought I wanted to kind of see the difference in terms of the graphical fidelity on the new console, so I downloaded it. I already owned it, so it wasn't a problem with, with uh, um, smart delivery. I just was able to grab it. And I'd also purchased a copy of, uh, of, of Cyberpunk 2077 in advance of getting the console and downloaded that as well. Um, there wasn't as much of a huge difference between... Um, the, the the watchdog on, on the two console, watchdogs on the two consoles. There was a difference, but not as as stark as you think. The the, the textures were a little better. Frame rate about the same, um, but the biggest change, of course, is there's been much ink and and digital as well as as print dedicated to for cyberpunk. Um, cyberpunk just doing not even like really graphically heavy battle sequences, or when there's a lot of stuff moving around on the screen at once. Just walking around and driving your car through Night City on the Xbox One. And to be fair, I don't have a... I didn't have an Xbox One X. I had a first generation 2013 Xbox One. Still do. Um, but that thing was running at a lower frame rate than 80s anime. It was about 10 to 12 <laughs> frames a second. And it was it was literally unplayable on the Xbox One. But you pop that thing into, uh, into the Series X, fire it up, uh, and it was like butter. So... Yeah, CD Projekt Red, for all the grief they've gotten over the last couple of months over how botched the launch was and how badly it's been handled. The game itself actually plays great and is a good game. Is it as good as The Witcher 3? Time will tell. But, um, you know, they definitely did not spend the amount of time they should have optimizing it for current-slash-last-generation consoles. And the difference was not just you know, somewhat noticeable. It was stark, so that was unfortunate for them. They lost a lot of goodwill they've been carrying over for the last seven, eight years since Witcher 3 came out, uh, which is a bummer for them, but, you know, that's also partially deserved. Um, the expectations were high for that game, and it did not deliver uh, on the current hardware, so that was, that was a bummer. Um, but I also played Assassin's Creed Valhalla on both systems, and there is not as noticeable a difference. It still runs very smoothly on the Xbox One, the draw distances are much shorter, the textures are a little muddier, and the frame rate is about half, 30 versus 60. But um, it still plays; it's still perfectly playable. And you know, to, to somebody who wasn't a huge video game junkie, like you know, I myself and present company are, wouldn't necessarily notice the difference if it wasn't pointed out to them from uh, a spec and uh, technical standpoint. But so it's it's pretty wild um, the differences, but. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with the purchase so far once I got my console back from service and got my disk drive fixed so that I didn't have to, to rely just on, on downloads and digital, which is great because the whole reason I bought the Series X as opposed to the Series S is because I have, you know, I got Xboxes going back to the original Xbox um, and, and all those games, not all of them, but a lot of them theoretically are backwards compatible.
0: Right, most and of them. So
1: I wanted to be able to just drop in the disks into the new system and see... You know as far back as uh you know 15 16 years what the differences were between like the original xbox the 360 the xbox one and the series x and just kind of check it out um but so far apart from the initial blip of the disk drive kind of being wonky and getting that fixed uh by xbox service i am tremendously happy with my purchase uh once more shout out to uh to smo from uh at zero skill on twitter who's the guy who hooked me up with that he had an extra over the holidays and was able to 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 get me his extra uh, xbox and i'm i'm, I'm incredibly grateful to him I know he's a listener so big shout out to Smo for that Um, but yeah my my next gen experience so far has been not completely without bumps but once everything got smoothed out it's been immensely satisfying and I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with it
0: yeah and like you said uh, trying to find out about uh, uh, how old games run on new systems uh, what I did is uh, uh, I don't really have I got tons of games but they're all like in the garage and in storage and everything but yeah, uh, going back to PS1 uh, first generation PlayStation, but uh, what I did is something I, I, t- I dicked around with it a little bit uh, a while ago, uh, which was uh, the PlayStation Now, uh, the oh, yeah. streaming game service, and, and with streaming game services being so in the mainstream right now with Xbox uh, uh, Xbox Live, or was it Xbox Games with Gold, or what are they called? What's Xbox's game like? game Xbox?
1: Game Pass. Game Pass. Xbox Game
0: Pass. Yeah. And then uh, PlayStation Now, and then of course, you know, the the catastrophe that is uh, Google Stadia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I've never had stable enough internet to accomplish that, but co- uh, when the pandemic started, we had to up the speed of our internet at our house uh, as a res- as a necessity because my wife is, of course, working from home. Uh, my mm-hmm. children are both attending school from home, and so we just didn't have the bandwidth to deal with that level of traffic on our home service here, so we kind of upped the bill, and, and so... Uh, uh, but once we got the uh, the the PlayStation Five installed, uh, I I looked into uh, PlayStation Now again as an option, as a viable option, and uh, so I, I paid for it. I think it was like sixty bucks for a year. But if you bought it on like the one week that I bought it, you get uh, three extra months. So it's fifteen months of PlayStation Now for like sixty bucks. That's um, not bad at all. Which is crazy because the cost of one new video game. You get,
1: I can't even tell you how many video
0: games are in there. There's just hundreds of them. I draw yeah, them. so
1: if you wind up playing one brand new A release game on, uh, on PlayStation 9, you've essentially paid for the service.
0: Right. And, and it was funny because there's a game I really love that I wanted to talk about. We're probably going to talk about that in uh, one of our next episodes when we talk about uh, uh, tie-in video games. Uh, video game merchandise like that there's a game called uh split second that i used to play on the playstation 3 which was this it's this driving game made by disney interactive and the basic gist of it is you're a driver in a race car on a reality television show and you drive through this abandoned city against these other drivers and while you're driving you can trigger traps and everything to kind of Give yourself a leg up and and to win first place. And and so you're like uh, blowing up buses or dropping buildings and and, and flinging airplanes out of the sky. I mean, (laughs) it's so ridiculous. But I I was talking a a while back about how I wanted to play that game, but I couldn't find it for the PlayStation 4 or 5 because it wasn't made for that system. But it's on PlayStation now, and so it's like, oh shit! Well, that just paid for the entire service right there for me. I've been playing yeah. that game ridiculous. But older games like the original God of War, my son was curious about it because he's, of course, only got experience with uh, the newer God of War, uh, made for the PlayStation Four, which isn't a fantastic game if
1: anyone's not one of the that. best of that entire generation. For
0: Absolutely, sure. and and so he wanted to see what the difference between. Uh, uh, god of war then and versus god of war now and so i took him through and showed him a couple of the scenes from uh the first two and then i showed him some of the stuff from the psp games and so it's really neat to have uh, i never thought i'd be in that library of streaming games because i'm much more physical media type of person but it's really kind of cool to have that library to delve back into and and, and i'm going to be looking at it with much more uh critical eye as far as when i get that xbox uh, series x set up and and whatnot, but, uh, I still, jury's still out on whether or not I'll ever end up with a Stadia. Probably not. Uh, just because.
1: Yeah. Eh. I mean, there's definitely exclusives on both the PS5 and the Xbox that are, are going to be, they're going to be, uh, hardware movers for those systems. But as far as I'm able to tell, Stadia doesn't really have any exclusives. Um, there may be some I'm not aware of, but all that means is that they're not really, uh, good enough or groundbreaking enough to, to necessarily have warranted notice. So they're probably not getting the coverage. Um, so, yeah, I just I don't see any point in buying one. I think it's probably. I remember I went to E3 in 2011, 12, and 13, and that was when On Live, which was kind of the first stadium yeah. back in the day. Yeah, it didn't wind up doing well. They had a huge booth at E3, and it was actually pretty impressive technology for the time, but it's like anything else. I mean, not a lot of people had the necessary bandwidth to run it. People, you know, people now, we're getting to a point where we're at a saturation level with broadband um, internet. I got fiber at the house here, but. Um, at the time, it was, you know, uh, eight years ago, and we weren't talking about th- the the necessary market penetration we would have needed to have of broadband for that necessarily to have been as successful as it needed to be, and it lasted a couple years. Good idea, clearly. I mean, they're still trying to get it off the ground and make it go. Um, it wasn't a total turkey, but uh, they didn't wind up being successful. I think they sold the. T- I don't... I may have even read somewhere, and I'm pro- I might be wrong about this, and if I am, hopefully somebody will let me know, but I think... Um, Google might have even bought OnLive. I know somebody did. I think maybe the Stadia has some OnLive DNA in it. But I just remember seeing their their booth and thinking how cool of an idea that was, and kind of being bummed out it didn't take off at the time. But um, clearly, it's there's there's some some legs to the technology, so I'm sure we'll see, you know, some improvements on that front in the coming years. But yeah, for right now, I'm with you. I don't really see a compelling reason to buy a Stadia if most of the games that I want to play are already on systems that I either own or plan to. It's just not something I, I see coming for me.
0: Looks like Sony is the one who
1: ended up buying uh, ah, the okay. majority of the on-live service so all right just well you know then maybe maybe it's PlayStation now maybe that's where the DNA chain led to that's entirely possible but yeah although I, I did see an article the other day and there's uh, on Tom's Guide which I, I use a lot for um, finding links for who might have PlayStation 5s available um And there's a a very bitter kind of angry article written uh, on there in the last couple of days that I had pop up in my my Google News stream on my phone um, about, I'm just, this guy wrote the article and said, I'm opting out of the PS5 rat race. Um, He just said, you know, it's been so botched and so obnoxious trying to find any retail that has stock when they do have stock it sells out in seconds and then invariably in the Twitter threads and on different forums, Discord and those kind of places, you see the scalpers bragging, oh, I don't know what's wrong with you guys, I managed to get 10 this time. Or there was that guy who bragged that he had gotten 2,000 orders in the most recent Target drop, I think it was, I might be wrong about that too. No, I read that um, article too. Yeah, but they were pre-orders and they got cancelled on him, so the whole thing has just been a, a, an absolute dumpster fire of epic proportions in terms of getting those consoles into the hands of, of the actual you know video game buying public. So I have made, you know, granted the Xbox Series X, I'm privileged in that sense, makes it very easy to say, you know what, I've got at least one of the consoles now and I'll be able to, I've got three or four games, I haven't di- dove that hard into Cyberpunk yet, I've got about 20 hours into that, i got about 40, 45 hours into uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I picked up a copy of Immortals Phoenix Rising for half price a couple of weeks ago when they have, were having a big sale at Amazon. So I've got enough games. Have you played long that one? Sandbox style games. That's fun. No, I haven't found it up yet. It's odd. You know, it's kind of like Breath of the Wild meets Assassin's Creed Odyssey, from what I hear. And I liked both of those games. It's, so it's got I figured an attitude. for 30 bucks... It's
0: got an attitude to the back of the game. It tries to be
1: snarky and funny in ways that don't entirely work, according to a lot of the reviews that I've read. But I figured, you know, I liked Breath of the Wild. I really liked um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So, you know, whatever. It's an open-world game, and and I love those, so I'll give it a shot. As long as it's not Um, just me. Yeah, it's definitely third in line behind finishing Cyberpunk and uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which both are going to take me a long time. So hopefully by then it'll be spring, maybe early summer even, and uh, there'll be a little bit more ready of a supply well see and i I just i I can't i'm opting out i'm opting out of the ps5 rat race you and i have both been around the block we we both sat in queues numerous times we both sent each other tweets of like oh they're available now and you were able to sneak one out of the system but uh, i'm just gonna i'm I'm bowing out for now until those things are actually on shelves at stores i can walk in and buy one (laughs)
0: and i don't blame you and and luckily a friend of the show ethan uh, he managed to scoop one up i'm not sure how and and actually, my good buddy Eric, uh, who uh, scooped up one uh, recently as well, he's not going to get delivery until like mid February. But uh, I think he's just happy to be done with it. He he was able to uh, yeah. unfollow all those Twitter pages that post like uh, sixty obnoxious. times a day, and I think you know which one I'm talking about. Uh, uh, at least a few, yeah, yeah. But uh, it, it's been interesting, and, and like I said, uh, I, I I started playing Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla. Uh, and and I really enjoyed it, but then I remembered that I didn't play uh, uh, Origins or Odyssey, so I was missing a lot of the backstory of the story.
1: So that I... is the issue with with Assassin's Creed, and I kind of look at that as being they subscribe to the uh, what I call kind of the Marvel slash schoolyard pusher sort of business model, where you know if you opt into the universe, you kind of gotta, gotta make stay sure in. you get on every installment, or else you're gonna be missing something. Um, like I remember when I read. I actually downloaded a. Um, uh, I had a digital comics package through Marvel for a little while, and I downloaded the entire Civil War run uh, when the, right before the movie came out. And I read it was like seventy six issues across twelve or thirteen titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was. I canceled my subscription after that. That's all I really got it for. I wanted to kind of brush up on the story. And um, but yeah, they they definitely if you if you're in that ecosystem. Then you really have to be in that ecosystem, and in particular, the last two games you just mentioned, Odyssey and Origins, both had huge story elements that impact Valhalla. Without, I'm not giving out any spoilers to you or anybody, but there's definitely some major story elements that carry over from those two titles into the current one. So, yeah, you're probably it's it's going to be a big investment of time to get through both of those previous titles. But you know, man, it's it's uh, if you're at all interested Fuck in the. Fuck else do I got universe, to do? Yeah, it's a pandemic. We're all staying home anyway. But <laughs> the lore of that whole series is insanely deep and wide, and so it, it, they, once they got you hooked, you gotta, you kind of gotta be in that universe forever. So I, I'm definitely a devotee, for sure.
0: So I've been playing uh, uh, Origins lately, so that's been a lot of fun. And that even that runs like just like a dream on the on the PS5. Uh, yeah. from the PS4 version. But you know, I promised we'd talk about uh, politics as it reserves around uh, around. Uh, uh, pop culture and everything like that, too. Yep. And we just kind of deviated away. Can you tell this? It's not something that's exactly comfortable to get into, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well,
1: you know, it's it's one of those things that there have been such deep divisions over the last uh, four years. I, I, you could probably go back even farther than that because there were a lot of people that did not care for the fact that we had a black president, and that drove a lot of their ideology during the Obama administration. But, you know, the divisions have really. We didn't have anything um, like what happened on the 6th of this month of January. Um, during the Obama administration at all. So I, you know, I, I fully allow that I'm biased because I definitely lean very, very heavily left, as, as a lot of people do. Um, but it was just so horrible to watch that. I, I, I had to stop work. I had to come out and, and actually watch the television. And uh, I, I just, my jaw dropped when I saw yeah. a literal attempted coup. Actual insurrectionists um, trying, to, uh, trying to overthrow the government. Um, trotting the, 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 the boards, treading the boards, of the uh, uh, of the Capitol building, waving their Trump flags and and uh, and spewing their QAnon nonsense, and it just was <laughs> revolting. It was completely nauseating thing to watch.
0: And, and kind of uh, the thrust of what me and uh, and Jim had decided to talk about today, and we're gonna start brushing up on that before our next break, and then we'll kind of delve more into it deeply. But uh, the big general uh, idea of um a, a lot of pop culture is geared towards. Uh, anti-fascism and rebellion and Mm -hmm. and specific uh me and jim came up with uh, a half dozen examples just off the cuff uh if you talk about firefly and the Browncoat rebellion or if you talk about star wars and
1: the uh, rebellion against the empire or if you you... talk about hunger games and the major class divisions between the folks at the capital and the people Mm -hmm. in the districts who are the you know the 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 analogous to the the one percent and and the the working poor
0: Marvel Comics, uh, the difference between S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA, HYDRA being, of course, sure. a, a handy, fancy stand-in for the Nazi Party, um, going way back to the, uh, the the earliest days of Marvel Comics.
1: When, um, when Captain America was punching out Hitler on the cover like of, uh, of... Literally punching out Hitler, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, and then, you know, you get, it's, it's, it's a common thread seen throughout all of pop culture media, really. I mean, it's very seldom are you going to be on the side where you're rooting for the fascists. Very seldom are you going to be on the side where uh, Indiana Jones punches a Nazi and you're like, oh, well, maybe he's got a, a, a certain ideology. Maybe he just has a difference of opinion. No, he's a fucking Nazi. And Indiana Jones is right to punch him. Um, yeah. In fact, the fact that he didn't punch Hitler like Captain America was was astonishing uh, in, uh, in uh, The Last Crusade when uh, he was directly in front of him. Uh, but... A lot of pop culture is uh, focused and centered around this anti-fascist ideal. And only in the last uh, several years has the term anti-fascist become some kind of uh, uh, a buzzword. Or uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know what exactly to call it. it. It's it's People call it an organization. People call it a movement. Uh, it's neither of those things. Uh, but that's just my lefty, my lefty side coming out too. But uh, anti-fascism, and, and I break it down for people just like this. Uh, antifa is what they call it. Or, yeah. or if you're or if you're the great Donald, you say antifa. But you sound like a, a juvenile chewing on a piece of gum. But uh, the fact of the, if the matter you're is, the great
1: Donald, you also say Jaina. So uh, <laughs> who can uh, really
0: <laughs> the Jaina virus. The Jaina virus. Uh, disgusting. Yes, I'm glad he's gone
1: but uh
0: that's neither here nor there but, but the term antifa antifa came around as a result of these uh the black lives matter movement and and these people had to uh call it something that it wasn't to kind of try and justify hatred of them and so they called it antifa and if you stood with antifa you were against the government which ...is ridiculous because when you break it down to it, and etymology, etymology is one of the things that I really enjoy. Uh, the oh, places that words come from, the way that words develop, uh, anti-meaning against, mm-hmm. A-N-T-I, I believe it is uh, Greek in origin. Uh, and then uh, fa, which is short for fascism, fascism. So anti-fascism, now do the math and reduce that down. If you're anti-antifa... That means you're a fascist,
1: and that's literally the, the that's, direct interpretation of what that term means. <laughs> that's literally just reducing your fractions, people. If you're anti-antibiotic, you're pro-bacteria. <laughs> right. right, and and
0: and it's just it, it boggles the mind that so many people can be uh, so attached to an ideology or to a. Uh, Uh, pop culture, uh, like, oh, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Of course I'm a Star Wars fan. Everyone's a Star Wars fan. Or I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Or, oh, man, Firefly was the greatest. Or the Hunger Games were great. Uh, Oh, man, Katniss Everdeen, you know. But at the same time, have these opinions that are so very antithetical to uh, <laughs> what these messages in these movies stand for—it's—it's.
1: It's... We still look back at World War II as being fought, as having been fought by the great, the greatest generation. They call the, the parents of the baby boomers were the greatest generation, and the reason was because they answered the call, whether they enlisted in the service and went overseas to fight, or whether they stayed here and helped the war effort by collecting cans and, and giving up their nylons for a couple of years, or working towards the war effort uh, right. stateside. You know, we call them the greatest generation because they answered the call to fight fascism that's the reason why they're the greatest generation it was you know the axis and the allies in world war ii if you know anything about history um were trying to put down fascism in europe and they were successful because you know up until the last couple of years and i know the, the roots of it go a little farther back but you know when when trump called the uh the, the tiki torch waving mob in charlottesville virginia oh they're very fine people on both sides very fine people when he said that you know Um, he was condoning, he set the tone for condoning a return to fascism, a return to the Nazi philosophy um, some, you know, uh, 70, 80 years after we had put down the Nazi movement in Europe. And it was just a really sad thing to see, because for the longest time, Kev, like you said, you know, Nazi was pretty much universally understood shorthand for that's a bad guy. Where you go back, it's like Indiana Jones punching out that guy on that weird plane in the scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark when he and Marion escaped the pyramid. Or whether it's, um, you know, him not punching out Hitler at the book burning... Or even, you know, more recently when you talk about, like, Quentin Tarantino burning, doing an alternate history and burning Hitler up in that movie theater <laughs> um, and then carving swastikas into the head of the deserter Nazis, we understand that Nazi has always been shorthand for, okay, their history's greatest bad guys. If you say somebody's a Nazi, the immediate revulsion towards their entire philosophy, way of life, and what they're trying to achieve should immediately bubble to the surface. And you understand intrinsically, genetically, that Nazis were the bad guys, right? It was but, a very
0: simple shorthand to to indicate yeah. bad guys, and in fact, in video games and in, in, in pop culture and media, they've they've emulated the the symbology, the ideology. Uh, with Hydra, like I said, with with Marvel, yeah. and with like uh, games like uh, 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 Wolfenstein, having gained uh, popularity yeah. again, uh, games like that where your your job is to literally. Kill the Nazis, who are also because of the ever changing political Duty shifting tides, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you're never uh, playing a Call of Duty game
1: going, Man, I wanted to be on the German side in World War II. What the hell? Uh, There's a reason why so many movies and so many video games have gone back to that well of World War II as being. You know, there's no Nancy Ante Defamation League. There's, you know, you can kill all the Nazis by the bucket load in video games and movies. And you can get away with it because nobody gives a shit. Nobody's, They're not Nobody's standing up for the Nazis. Nazis, aliens, robots, and demons were always kind of like the cannon fodder of of, of the creatures you could murder in buckets and in waves in video games, and nobody would complain because who's going to stand up for Nazis, aliens, you know, rogue robots or, or demons? It's just they're all in the same bucket as being, you know, they're soulless, they're bad guys. You can kill buckets of them, and nobody gives a shit because. You know, we all know that they're the bad guys. Right. So when we
0: come back from this break, we're going to kind of delve into uh, pop culture a little bit and and kind of see where the disconnect happens, because Uh uh, it's happening and it's disturbing. Stick around. Welcome back. All right. So as promised, we're going to talk about punching Nazis now. Yeah, I bet you did not see that coming. Sorry, that's a bad joke, and I keep using it. I keep using it. Um, The thing is here, and and we discussed it a bit previously, but uh, the idea is that uh, in a lot of pop culture and media, we're meant to be uh, rooting for the rebels who are rebelling against uh, fascist ideology, fascist regime. Uh, We had it in Star Wars uh, when we're rooting for the Rebel Alliance over the democratically elected government, except they're not. It was definitely not that way. Um, the Empire was always meant to showcase, um, uh, a fascist political ideology.
1: Yeah. Under the rule like of the Like you said Emperor. with Hydra. I mean, yeah. Marvel, you know, co-opted the imagery, um, with, uh, Johan and the whole Red Skull thing. They were the, the, um the uh, the tech division the sort of occult tech division of uh, in the Marvel universe of the Nazis the actual real world Nazis and there's a reason why like if you look at Grand Moff Tarkin or any of the dudes who are sitting around the table when, when Vader chokes that guy in the meeting um, you know they're all there's a reason why they're all wearing very staid sort of like really uh, regimented looking uniforms Tommy because, Hill figure you know, designed
0: uniforms like yeah. the Nazis had
1: yeah it's it's uh, completely uh, um, uh, it's, it's like you said. It's shorthand. It's a trope. It's a trope that if you have a very well attired, regimented, um, you know, military force that's trying to overtake the universe through force, that is, it's it's an analog for the Nazis, and th- it's a constant that crops up in so much media. Like you said, whether it's Hunger Games, whether it's Marvel, whether it's Star Wars, or you know, no matter what uh, piece of of, uh, of pop culture you're talking about, there's always going to be that. Oh, we the, the, a trope, of course, being defined as an as an existing idea that's already present in the mind of the audience that a content creator, a writer, a, a showrunner, an artist can 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 trade on as already being present in the mind of the audience. They don't have to explain. Hey, ps, these are the bad guys. So when you use, you know, the stormtroopers marching in formation in their matching uniforms and Grand Moff Tarkin with his his uh, very Nazi-like uniform. Without having to explain, these are the bad guys, these are the fascists, this is the oppressive empire, the audience immediately intrinsically understands that these are the dudes we're supposed to be rooting against.
0: Right, and, and, and I think that, that they designed that that way uh, as well, because uh, if you look at the, uh, the military forces of the Third Reich and the Nazi Party back in the day, uh, they were always very crisp, very well yep. kept very
1: if you can say anything nice about the nazis is that they had great fashion sets that's Absolutely. the only nice thing you'll ever catch me saying about a nazi those uniforms were they crisp were on
0: point. uh and i know yep. there's a comedian that talks about that and i forget who it is offhand but uh but but then you go into we're meant to root for the ragtag group of underdogs and 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 yeah and, and the upstarts the scrappy heroes and
1: I mean, even before the Nazis, you had the redcoats and the rebels here in the United States that were fighting for independence and freedom. You had the, the regimented guys who came forward in waves and knelt and fired and then moved around to the back of the regiment. And, and then you had us, you know, wearing mismatched uniforms and firing from behind trees. There's, there's a very long-standing tradition in storytelling and in history, uh, because history informs storytelling, about, you know, the ragtag band Upstarts that were fighting for ideals, fighting against the regimented, you know, uh, oppressive force that was fighting to try and keep order and control.
0: And the thing that I'll never understand now is uh, if you listen to the stories of God and, and, and take some aspirin before you try and delve into the uh-huh. the QAnon mindset uh, at all. Jesus. But these people, a lot of them think that they are on the side of right That because, uh, oh, well, uh, Star Trek was about rebellion or Star Wars about rebellion and this, that, and the other thing. And, hey, we're doing a rebellion, too. This is kind of our uh, rebellion. Uh, we're kind of like the rebels. It's like, no.
1: No, you're really not. Uh, uh, it's like if the French revolutionaries stormed the Bastille in order to keep the king in power, so they could continue to starve. <laughs>
0: That's a real simple way to put it. Uh, I mean, Jesus. the The fact of the matter is, is the ideal, the ideology behind the rebellion has to be uh, in sync. It has to be uh, simpatica with what you're uh, trying to say. You fight for so. I mean, you can't. Well, the thing that I've never understood, and we'll, and we'll kind of veer away from Nazis here for a minute because just thinking about it makes me ill to my stomach. Oh. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is if you look at, uh, let's take Star Trek for instance. And again, we know I know that's not your big uh, foray, but it's it's a, it's a wide enough berth and a wide enough target that you'll you'll understand the key, key the, oh totally the key takeaways here. Now, uh, Gene Roddenberry uh, set out to uh, create this world, this unified world where hunger didn't exist where poverty didn't exist where we didn't have the racial divides that we have and if they did uh the objective was to overcome it to be better than to to have this utopian society and that's uh what his mind uh, uh, that's what starfleet was that's what the federation was uh in gene roddenberry's imagining and and uh we have a lot of uh not to put you fine point, a point on it, very socialist ideals. Things that are are, are demonized nowadays as socialism uh, were just widely accepted on Star Trek. And and it's one of those things that uh, uh, John calls uh, uh, post-scarcity society. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we live in a post-scarcity society in the world of Star Trek because... Everyone pitching in for the good of the collective. Right. There, there's no hunger. There's yeah. no... Uh, there's no real system of finance. It's all just. We've kinda... solved
1: all of our terrestrial issues, so we're out exploring the stars, right. trying to Bring our enlightenment in having fixed all of our problems to other civilizations that maybe haven't figured their shit out yet,
0: right? And and there's no <laughs> racial barrier. There's no. Uh, I mean, it gets better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to steal a to steal a phrase, and I think I hope everyone understands what I mean when I say that, but. Obviously, uh, TOS being filmed in the 60s, you're going to have some artifacting from 60s-era culture. Uh, and the, then of course, know, Post-Cold
1: War hangovers.
0: Right. TNG is going to have a lot of that uh, late 80s, early 90s kind of subtext. Hey, the
1: Klingons used to be the bad guys. Now Worf is on the bridge because we brought him into the Federation. We, we managed to figure our shit out, and now we're friends and working together.
0: Right. And, and the whole big idea behind that was that uh, we live in this world where we can always strive to be better. And that's one of yeah. the things that Star Trek has done widely over the course of its 60-year uh, run. It, it seems a, just insane to think of it like that, but almost 60 years. Yeah, it does. And it uh, to see that these people... Uh, you, you get to see a lot of it online in geek communities. You get a lot of uh, uh, hatred and division in the subculture. You get a lot of people saying, Oh, well... Uh, you know, there were no gays in Star Trek, or you know, uh,
1: you know. <laughs> I know that did... George Takei was right there on the bridge. Well, oh well, he wasn't out as a character. It's like okay, whatever. But, but canonically, the... Sulu is gay now. But you yes. know, it's hard for people to accept.
0: Well, what's hard for me to accept is I co- you watch a new series like Discovery, and spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched Discovery, but it's over and we're past the moratorium, so get over it pick up a cbs account and fucking watch the thing already but uh we have uh on discovery uh, a couple of really really great examples of lgbtq representation in community uh the chief medical officer uh hugh culber uh is in a, a married relationship with uh one of the engineers not chief engineer but uh, one of the engineers paul stamets and it's not, a whole lot isn't made of the fact that they're gay. It's just they are gay and they are a couple. And it's just, it's handled so normally. And I know that's weird to say it like that, but it's it's
1: treated like nothing out of the ordinary. Because it shouldn't be out of the ordinary. Right, we should get to a place as a society. And, and because Star Trek has this utopian focus, that they're sending the subtle message that we got to a place where you know, gay isn't seen as being outside the norm. It's exactly. not seen as something that you, that you have to come out about. It's just something you are. And what I love about that is I haven't seen a lot of Discovery, but I've seen some of it. And what I love about that particular relationship is that, like you said, it's not lampshaded. There's not a spotlight on it. It's just an aspect of who they are, and it's treated as the most mundane, least interesting thing about them as characters. Exactly. And then with they're season... not the token gay characters, and there's not storylines <laughs> written around the fact that they're gay. Right. They're just gay, and that happens to be part of it. And it's just a fabric of the overall makeup of the show.
0: And, and, and in season three, and I'm going to have a bit of more of a discussion with this with, uh, with John, I'm sure. But in season three, they introduced a new character, Adira. Uh, who uses they/them pronouns, and the, uh, Adira's uh, former partner uh, uh, Gray, uh, who is uh, a trans male, and the fact that they are having that kind of inclusion, and again, it's not made a big deal of. They use it kind right. of like George, like George Takei has always talked about, is using Star Trek as a as an ideal to set. Uh, they use it to kind of pinpoint and spotlight the same things we were talking about with Hugh Culver and with uh, Paul Stamets. Uh, It's there as an educational piece, but it's not a spotlight focus. It's like, we're here to show you that this is Star Trek. This is this utopian society. And there are so many people getting hot and bothered about the fact that Oh, there's trans characters on the show now, and oh my god, it's like, this is turning into just trans signaling and, and everything like that, and
1: it's like... It reminds me of that guy that bitched at Tom Morello on Twitter saying, Boy, I'm going to stop listening to Rage Against the Machine because you guys suddenly got political. Where in the <laughs> fuck have you been this entire time? You know, the if you... Suddenly... You know, and I, like you said, Roddenberry and, you know, to a certain extent, I think probably also Stan Lee, they saw a vision of the future they wanted to create, and so they built in, in some cases very subtle, in some cases very overt, um, story elements that were geared towards inclusion, um, acceptance, and, and also progress. I mean, you know, I saw something on Facebook a while ago where somebody made the point that, you know, Stan Lee, in, in introducing the entire X-Men thing was mm-hmm. trying to it was it was uh, an analog for racism. it was saying you know these pe- these are people they're valid people there's something different about them um, but it's not something that anybody needs to fear it's not something it's just a thing that, about them that's different from something that happens that's happening with you. They're different from you, but it doesn't make them worse than you they're, they're and, and we have to accept these people and we have to to not have any stigma about it. And so in in so doing that, in in kind of coming at it from a sideways direction, Roddenberry and Stan Lee both promoted not just tolerance, but acceptance of people who were different than you.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And and they did that from way back. And so to think that he's doing anything other than that. 60 um... years on both fronts. Yeah. Oh, this isn't the way Gene Roddenberry would have done it. No, I I beg to differ. I think this If you're is getting exactly up in arms about it.
1: the fact that there are, are, are characters, LGBT and non-binary characters on Star Trek then how have you been a star trek fan this long how did you miss hey we brought Worf under the bridge hey you know we figured out the borg ship when we brought seven of nine in how have you missed the idea of progress inclusion and all of us eventually becoming one people how have you been a star trek fan this long and you're gonna get pissed off about lgbtq people on discovery you know how do you get to that place
0: and i'm reminded and i know you guys can't see this but i'm going to show jim anyway just because it reminds me of a post that we made back on the uh your Fandom Podcast uh, Facebook page back in uh, November of
1: 2020, and I'm going to show it right there, see if you can see it. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) When did Star Trek start pandering to SJW, Social Justice Warriors? September 8th, 1966, thanks for playing. And it's accurate. It's completely true. (laughs) It's it's
0: ridiculous. And again, it, it falls back into the category of these people taking ownership of Something that they, they, they feel they have some kind of right to. They feel they have some kind of uh, uh, message associated with. I mean, I I'm having a hard time understanding how to put it. But we don't go through comic books and side with Hydra. We just right. don't. And
1: but if now, you're pissed off about LGBTQ people on Star Trek, you've missed the entire point of Star Trek going back 60 years.
0: And now that's not to be said, I don't uh, I admire a little bit about the, uh, the Imperial... Uh, side of Star Star Trek or Star Wars? Excuse me, I'm going to get beat up for that. Yeah, uh, that's
1: what editing is for, right?
0: <laughs> there's not to say that I don't uh, I don't side with the Imperials, but I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff about the Imperial uh, design and makeup and some of the characters, Darth Vader and 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 uh, Kylo Ren and 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 a lot of those Imperial styled characters. Now that being said. That's where the division comes in. You can say, "Oh, I like Baron Strucker in the, in the Hydra comics." Or or Captain Phasma had a super fly outfit. Phasma had a fly outfit. Kylo Ren's a (laughs) bitchy little sort, but you know. But the fact of the matter is, is they're still fictional. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. not like saying, "Oh, you know, the Nazi parties had crisp uniforms, and that Hitler guy wasn't so
1: bad," you know. It's like they had some good ideas after all. (laughs) And don't take that shit out of context, or I'll find you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but yeah i mean it still has to fall back on the fact that it's fiction and 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 there's certain uh, like you can go into uh the entire new book written for the hunger games uh series uh songbirds and snakes was basically um based on the character of president snow uh mm-hmm. when he was a youth and I wouldn't go so far as to say he's the hero of the book and he's certainly the protagonist of that book and so you know we're not siding with the capitalists but we are in that book uh in the headspace of you know president snow or in the case of like we've read i've read star wars novels that take place in the in the in the headspace of darth vader or darth maul or any of these uh, really dark characters, and and it's fine because it's fiction. Now you yeah. start picking up a book like Mein Kampf and, and trying to delve into the head of Adolf fucking Hitler, uh, it's, it's going to be bad because he's history's most notorious bad guy. I mean, we yep. literally fought wars against these people, and then you see these people with these ideologies lining up on the Capitol steps, Waving Confederate flags, waving Nazi flags, waving flags of uh, uh, support for the former president—it's still, and, which is a
1: wonderful thing to be able to say,
0: right? And and the fact of the matter is, is we fought wars against these people twice,
1: yeah, we've, and they lost, and they lost. The arc of history bends towards justice, and you know, if you look back, the the, the oft-repeated and very pithy but still accurate meme that I see on Facebook a lot is you've got, you know, a swastika, and the, or a confederate flag, a swastika, and then a MAGA hat all end up on one side. And losers in 1865, losers in 1945, losers in 2020. Right. You know, that that ideology is doomed to fail. It rears its ugly head and comes back and picks up momentum every once in a while, but it keeps on getting put down because history, the arc of history bends toward justice. There right. are more of us than there are of them. Right.
0: And, and it'll bear us all out, too, and... But the fact of the matter is, these people adopt these ideals, and, and, and I get so pr- protective of my fandoms with this because uh, I, I'm a very ardent fan of a lot of things. I'm a very ardent Star Wars fan. I'm a very ardent uh, Truck fan. I'm a very ardent fan Marvel. of this pop culture media, which is to be a fan, you take a certain amount of ownership of the material. Yeah. Uh, whether it's justified or not, it, that's my childhood. That's my youth. I grew up on that. That was part of
1: my upbringing. And it's s- key to the development of my philosophy as a human being, even though it was intended as entertainment because it reflected so many societal ideas. Right. And so to see
0: uh, the utopian society where Russians and, and, and African-American people and, and people of all nations can serve on the bridge of a starship or you know, all race, religion, creed, color—all of that can can serve together. Was part of my upbringing, and it was because of Star Trek, and and this this idea to fight fascism and 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 always try to land on the right side of history comes from uh, the comic books that I read, or the the. Uh, the Star Wars or the anything else that had that kind of ideology attached to it, uh, so I take that kind of that's the kind of ownership I take with me for that. Is is that ideal that you know it does get better, it can be better. I'm on the side of right. I, I'm accepting and 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 open and 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 you always see the person on the other side of that as kind of being on the outside, but these people are taking just this enormous amount of uh comfort and care from these places they shouldn't they're taking this ownership of something that they they've abandoned with their ideology and that makes me ill and if you
1: want to really break it down and look at it in, in incredibly stark terms and realize that art is a mirror of society in many many ways uh show me one piece of entertainment one piece of mainstream entertainment that is consumed by the general public on a large scale where the Nazis are the good guys. The closest you can come is the '60s TV series *Hogan's Heroes*, where the Nazis, or maybe some Mel Brooks movies, like where the Nazis were portrayed as bumbling Keystone cops, fuck-ups who were easily bested by smart prisoners of war. Um, you know, but they were never portrayed as sympathetic characters. They right. might have been made fun of. They were openly mocked. But in every case, whether it's *Hunger Games*, *Star Wars*, *Marvel*, *Star Trek*, any piece of entertainment that's widely consumed, you know, you're never going to see the Nazis portrayed as the good guys. So if you're wondering, what side of history you should land on, and you're looking next to you and you're noticing you're standing next to a Nazi on that side of history, even if that doesn't tip you off, you know, start thinking about the fact that there's not a single piece of entertainment anywhere that has ever been produced where Hitler was portrayed as a sympathetic character or a good guy or the fascists win. I mean, I don't care where you land on the political spectrum, you wouldn't have stood for it if Darth Vader had had won. If at the end of it, instead of Luke taking off his mask, and again spoiler alert for that, but it's been what 30 years, if instead of that, you know, you got Luke at the business end of the lightsaber getting run through, and the Empire wins, and instead of the at the end of the movie, um, whether or not we're talking about special editions or whatnot, when you've got like the the mm-hmm. statues toppling and the Ewoks dancing or what have you, you know, you don't see the statues staying up, the Tie Fighters doing a nice low flyby over the uh, the Coruscant skyline. And all of the, you know, prisoners of war, instead of getting medals, getting marched off to the camps. You don't see that. And there's a reason you don't see that. Because nobody wants to root for the
0: bad that. guys.
1: Yeah, you're, if you're rooting for the bad guys, you're on the wrong side of history. And that's just the end of it. You know, there's there's no argument to be had there.
0: And I feel that's as good a place as any to leave this conversation. Because, again, with uh, Indiana Jones or with uh, uh, the Hunger Games or with uh, Captain America and all these things... It's really easy to spot the bad guy. The bad guy is the guy that has the political ideology that is the most in opposition to uh, the peaceful protagonists. I mean, and and that's not 100%, but nothing's a 100%. You got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. But you're never going to find yourself in a comic book rooting for the Red Skull. You're just not. Uh, yeah. You might think the Red Skull has a cool idea or a cool like costume or whatever else, but I don't really ever see you with, like, rooting for Red Skull or rooting for uh, uh, Hydra as an organization. You don't find yourself wishing that Palpatine had maintained control over the galaxy. You don't find yourself, uh, not really, rooting for the Romulans or the, the, the Klingon Empire in TOS, but... Or you wouldn't find yourself rooting for the Borg. You wouldn't find yourself rooting for uh, any of these organizations in in mainstream pop culture that uh, are in opposition to the side that's very, very clearly defined and marked as the, the as the as the the hero, the protagonist, the hero. Uh, and even in something like uh, Firefly and Serenity, where it's it's really kind of nebulous initially as to whether or not the Browncoat Rebellion was uh, uh, for the good, the bad. We always just found ourselves siding with Mal because Mal was, was, was our captain. He was the guy. And so uh, we end up uh, siding with the Browncoats more often than not because that's just what we're given. Uh, but you don't really find yourself in mainstream pop culture fighting for the bad guys. You're not going to go on Call of Duty and be like, Ooh, ooh, ooh I get to be
1: the Nazis this time. You know, the Cylons yeah. don't get to win the Daleks don't get to win the Empire doesn't get to fucking win agreed. that's not
0: how these things go agreed and and that's kind of like uh, I know it's trite to say find yourself on the right side of history but I mean really uh, with as much world altering shit as we've got going on right now uh, to tie it back into to the real world shit fucking politics and, and pandemics and 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 Brexit's and and, and just <laughs> whatever else happens to be going on in the news at this
1: moment. Jesus, whatever I mean... tomorrow brings and tomorrow is probably going to bring another story.
0: It Although, is. you know,
1: history, again, bending towards justice. I, I really I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that, you know, I know a lot of people were very against not the majority, as it turns out, thank goodness. But a lot of people were very against the. uh The left getting back into control with both houses of Congress, with the White House, with all the things that are happening right now, and there's still a lot of opposition on the other side, but, you know, within the first couple of 72 hours, you know, we've got um, Biden saying he's going to invoke the Defense Production Act to produce vaccines, he's going to have FEMA turning stadiums and and arenas into uh, inoculation centers. You know, I won't get into the anti-vax thing, because that's another entire podcast that doesn't really dovetail with our mission, but nonetheless, you know, (laughs) we've got the adults back in charge again, and there's going to be progress made, and we're going to start seeing things turn around. And I, for one, you know, one of my fandoms, one of my biggest ones, I know yours too, is live music. I mean, we've both been in bands, we've both seen concerts, and I'm hoping this year, 2020 was the first year since I was probably seven years old that I didn't go to at least a bunch of, uh, five or six concerts. Right. Um... You know, my parents used to take me to see live music when i was a kid and that instilled a love for me with a love in me of live music and and so 2020 was the first year i had not seen at least one concert since childhood and i'm really hoping we get a summer this year i have a lot of friends who are in bands present company included who'd love to get back out there and start playing again do some touring do some recording just get the fuck back to normal and that was never going to happen underneath the regime we had um so i'm hopeful i'm hopeful even if you don't agree Biden has said many times he's going to be a president for everybody, whether they supported him or not. And, you know, fixing the economy, which always happens under Democrats, if you really want to look at the charts and get geeky about the data, which is another conversation entirely. <laughs> and, and from fixing the economy to fixing the, the, the pandemic to, to getting us on track with vaccines and figuring out, I've, I've got more hope in the last 72 hours that we're back going to be back on the right track. Rejoining the Paris Accord, getting back on board with environmental considerations. Yeah. All of these things, whether or not, The people who are waving their Trump flags and tiki torches and, you know, carrying their bullhorns and running roughshod through the halls of of, of the Capitol are going to understand it or not. They're going to benefit, you know, they're going to benefit from the policies that are being put forward. They just, you know, they may not realize it yet and they probably won't even admit it when it happens. But regardless, you know, I'm, I'm able to breathe again for the first time in about four years.
0: Agreed. Well, and I think that's as good a place as any to leave it. Just, uh... If you take anything away from this, just remember, we never side with fascism. Fascism will always lose. Fascism is always a fad that goes out with the rise of tide. Always punch the Nazi. And remember, always punch (laughs) the Nazi. I'm going to make that the title of this episode. (laughs) Season 3, episode 1, Always Punch the Nazi. Love it. Well, we want to thank you guys again for listening to another wild rant about you know, ostensibly pop culture and and geek community. Sure, okay, we'll go with that. It's all part of it. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Feel Your Fandom podcast, feelyourfandom at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments about the show that you'd like to throw in there, uh, certainly get us a reach out on there. We'd like to include your comments as part of the show. We're going to have a a bigger and better revamped webpage coming up here, Uh, feelyourfandom.net. Uh, So keep your eye out for that, as I'll keep you all posted when and if that goes uh, live again, which it should. They've taken the money, so it's it's a matter of time now. Um, (laughs) uh, But from Jim and I both, I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Feel Your Fandom Podcast. And uh, just do remember, if you take anything from this show, two things. Always punch the Nazis, and that everything is fandom, and fandom is everything. Take care, you guys. Punching Nazis. That's what we should be doing. Yep, that's what we all should be doing.